I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KYW Original Podcasts. Hi, I'm KYW's Dave Uran. Thank you for tuning in to Philly Sports Playback on the KYW Sports Pod. In this episode, we're going to take a look back at the 2008 World Champion Phillies. It's a season where they were coming off of their first division title since 1993. There were expectations that they would go deeper in the playoffs after getting swept by the Colorado Rockies and the NLDS in 07. Uh, it was a very good season overall, obviously. It was a very good season overall, but they got really hot. Again, they they weren't in first place from start to finish. They had to rally against the Mets again as they got hot in September again and the Mets got cold. They got really hot at the end of September. And then in the postseason, they went 11-3. and They only lost three games that postseason, one in each series. They were 7-0. and 7-0 at Citizens Bank Park that postseason. I had the pleasure to speak with one of the members of that rotation in 2008. He won 16 games in 2008. Southerton native, local guy, left-hander Jamie Moyer. Here's my conversation with the former Phillies lefty. It's a great honor to be joined by Southerton's finest, 2008 World Series champion. He had 16 wins that year. He played in the league for decades. Jamie Moyer, to talk about the 2008 World Series champions. Jamie, thank you so much for the time. I hope you're safe and well. First thing I'm wondering, Jamie, is how much did the run in 2007 and making the playoffs in 07, despite getting swept by Colorado, prepare you guys for the 2008 season? Well, I, I think it was, I don't know if it was preparation. Um, you know, Looking back on it, you can probably use that word preparation. Uh, but, you know, I think if you go back to 2007, I think we really thought we had a really good ball club and we thought we were going to get deep into the playoffs, if not get to the World Series. And we ran into a team, the Colorado Rockies, that was just hotter than hot. And, you know, they cut through us like butter. And I think, you know, it was like somebody pulling the carpet out from underneath you. And I think we had people that were... You know, we we had a club full of people upset, um, and I think that was probably a turning point for us, if you will. Um, you know, we hadn't even been in 2008 yet, but that was a turning point for us because we got that bitter taste of uh, failure, and um, you know, I think that's what motivated us. Uh, for you know, you know, and you think, well, geez, you don't need motivation, but you know, I think it did motivate us as a team. And 
you know, I think going into that off season, people, you know, looked in the mirror, did some soul searching and said, you know what, we can put a better effort out there. And I think in 2008, we did not knowing where it would take us. Um, but knowing, you know, when, when you start to win, you know, that's, that's a good feeling. And when you feel like as an individual, you're contributing to those efforts and everybody else's too, um, that's where that chemistry comes in, that team camaraderie, uh, and that excitement. So I think going into the 2008 season, uh, I think as as individuals and as a team, we set our sights a little higher, and we were able to attain that in 2008 by going to a World Series and winning that World Series. You know, Jamie, p- people look at the core of that team and, and that really that era, that 07 to 11 era, and the core is is obviously Jimmy, Ryan, and Chase. How much did those guys, because you, you played on some really good teams, you played on a Seattle team that won 116 games. How much did those guys set the tone for 2008, and what was it like to, to, to have them behind you in the infield for 30 starts in a season? Well, I, I think just the way they played uh, set that set that tone for us. You know, we didn't really have any uh, vocal necessary leaders at that point in time, but it was you know, hey, all you had to do was watch as a teammate. You know, watch uh, these guys lead, uh, and like I said, they did it by example. Uh, on occasion, you know, somebody might say something here and there. I think if anybody, or if we had any kind of a vocal leader, it would have been Charlie who, you know, if we needed to be spoken to as a team or if we need to be spoken to as individuals, he did so. And, that, you know, that's part of the manager's role. But, um, you know, I, I think Chase carried, you know, something, you know, about him that people respected greatly. Uh, Ryan the same way, Jimmy the same way. And, uh, yeah, having those guys behind me defensively, um, and I'm sure every pitcher would say the same thing, that, uh, you know, you really felt like you you didn't mind having the ball put in play and having these guys behind you because you knew they were going to make the plays. And, And that's what it was about. You know, everybody, again, everybody doing their jobs and, I think to me, as as I look back, um, you know, the baseball is not an easy game, but the simple part is if you do your job, do your, what you're supposed to do. You make the routine plays and occasionally make the great plays. You move base runners. You drive guys in when they're in scoring position. You play fundamental baseball. Good things can happen. Looking at the the calendar of that season, Jamie, on September 10th, you guys had lost a second straight against the Marlins and dropped two out of three in that series. And then you're, you're three and a half behind the Mets. And this is September 10th. But then you win 13 out of 16 and that stretch drive before the postseason. And it started with that four-game sweep of the Brewers at Citizens Bank Park. How important was that sweep in getting things going towards that postseason run? Well, anytime you can sweep a team... Anytime you can put a string of, of wins together, that's going to create momentum. And, you know, and that's important in baseball. I think momentum is, is huge. And, you, and, and so is home field advantage. So whether it's during the season or during the playoffs, you know, you're having the fans there, having the crowd there, you're having that feel of your own environment. You know, so all those things together um, really make a big difference. And, you know, and 
and you know, going on that run at the end of the season, again, as you've heard time and time, uh, you know, people talk about momentum and, and, and playing well at the right time. Well, for us, it was, it was a matter of having both, having the momentum and playing well at the right time. We're just talking about uh, Jimmy, Chase, and Ryan, and the division has clinched that season on that iconic double play up the middle with Brad trying, Brad Lidge trying to keep his perfect save streak going. Up the middle, Jimmy dives, flips it to Chase. Chase fires it over to, to Ryan. You guys win the division on that great double play. Standing in the dugout, what do, what do you remember about that play? Uh, you know, I'm feeling very confident that that play was going to be made. But, you know, I, 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 you know, for me personally, um, you know, I, I had the utmost confidence that we were going to, you know, move on uh, at the end of that season. And, uh, you know, again, just watching everybody do their job, um, you know, was the exciting part, you know. And, and you know, sometimes you sit in the dugout and, and or people will say, you know, what do you do when, you, when, you, when you're not playing? Well, it's it's support, supporting your teammates. I think that's really really important. And and when they feel that, when they know that, when when they feel like everybody's on the same page, um, boy, it's it's a lot easier to put the uniform on and go out and play and, and give your best effort. Postseason starts. You guys are hosting the Brewers, who were the wild card team. You guys were the second seed. Uh, you beat them in Game One to get that first win after the sweep the season before against Colorado. And then Game Two, you face CC Sabathia, who was who was unbelievable at that season. Brett Myers at bat against CC. What kind of impact do you think that walk had on what eventually became Shane Victorino's grand slam in Game Two against Milwaukee? Yeah, I think that's. It might have been a little demoralizing, you know. And think about where you know we had momentum, but think about where CC was. You know, he had gotten traded over to the Brewers, and you know they were they were you know leaning on him heavy. He was carrying that team, and I think at some point he was starting to run out of gas. And and no disrespect to to Shane or or Brett Myers, and you know. You think, well, he's a pitcher. He walked in. It doesn't matter. He's got a bat in his hand, and damage can be done. And, you know, fortunately, he walked He walked Brett to, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, when a pitcher gets on base, um, it, it turns the lineup over, and you get to the top of the order. And I know as, you know, as a pitcher myself, you know, when, when I was not able to get a pitcher out or when, it, when a pitcher got a hit, you know, it, it yeah, I may have been upset at that, but my next thought is, oh my gosh, now I got to face one, two, three, and four, um, and that's what you don't want. And uh, you know, for us, it, wor- it worked in our favor, and Shane came up and hit the big grand slam, and you know, again, that that creates huge momentum. You know, we didn't know CC was tired. You know, you you get to the playoffs, and you're basically running on on uh, adrenaline and momentum. And, you know, and that momentum can swing one way or the other, um, pitch by pitch, at bat by at bat, inning by inning, and game by game. A lot of people, Jamie, feel that that Victorino Grand Slam for a lot of people was the moment when they knew that something special was going to happen that October. Uh, do, do you, did you have that same feeling? Yeah, you know, when, when big plays are made, when big pitches are made, when big hits are made, you know, you're, you're right. You, you, you feel that the momentum, you feel the swing, uh, you feel the excitement. And, you know, as a player, you know, we feel it 
you know, amongst ourselves and you see it ha- all happen. But when you see that support of the fan base too, you know, when that, when that stadium feels like it just erupts, um, you know, it, it's, it's just so uplifting and, it, and uplifting may be, uh, uh, maybe not quite an, uh, enough of powerful words, uh, but, you know, in the moment, it just you just kind of look around and you know you just feel everybody feels energized and and to me that's the excitement of all of it you guys take care of the brewers in four and then you have the dodgers who who had Manny Ramirez who just beat the cubs who had the top seed in the national league and you had them in the NLCS, and game one starter for Los Angeles was Derek Lowe, who who gave the Phillies back then a little bit of trouble with that sinker, and he was pitching really well through five innings in game one. And then the sixth inning comes around, and that sinker start to started to rise a little bit, and Chase and Pat went yard. How much relief was it to see that, considering how tough Lowe was against you guys? Well, again, you know, you got guys on, you know, we had guys on our team that were going to compete you know, from the first inning through the ninth inning. And, you know, regardless of who the starting pitcher is, uh, anytime you can get an advantage, anytime, you know, they they sense fatigue or mistakes are being made from from the pitcher, you know, we had guys that, that had the ability to take advantage of that. You know, and Pat and uh, Chase, you know, hit the home runs. You know, again, it, it creates momentum. And um, it creates excitement and 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 also confidence. And you know, when you start to to build off of that, you know, great things can happen. You know, we played in Philadelphia, um, you know, and had that momentum. But you know, even when we went to L.A., um, you know, Matt Stairs hits a big home run. You know, the momentum that we had. You know, and there you're on the road, and you know, you're you're basically the enemy on the road. And you, you you know you just took huge momentum in an opponent's stadium, and again the confidence that builds for us uh, was phenomenal. Game two against the Dodgers, uh, we were just talking about Myers the plate against CC. He was three for three in game two okay. with, <laughs> with three ribbies. Did you know that Brett could hit like that? Uh, no, and uh, you know I I. You know, it, <laughs> We took batting practice all season long, and you know, and you know, we'd have fun with it. But it it would be serious too. But you know, it just goes to show when guys put their minds to things. Um, you know, it would be interesting to have Brett on this phone call because he he might be saying, you know, I was just trying to get up there and make some contact somehow and and force the pitcher to throw some pitches. Um, you know, but good things happen, and you know, you get you get into that good place where you're able to focus and you you just never know what can happen and uh, you know Brett contributed um, in many many ways and and that's what it takes you know when you when you win games you know sometimes you have unsung heroes and sometimes you have guys that you know you're expecting to to do well that do well so uh, but it takes an effort by everybody. And, and then after that game, of course, there, were, there was the really sad news that Charlie's mother had passed, Shane's grandmother had passed. Um, how, how much did, did, did the team rally around Charlie and Shane in that moment? Well, I, I, you know, I think everybody was very supportive of both. Uh, you know, I'm, unfortunately, death is you know, something that happens, and we're affected. We're all affected by it. 
Um, but you know, it, it's you know the timing wasn't the best. But I think sometimes too, when you're when you're facing things like that, or sometimes if you're facing adversity, uh, it forces you dig to dig a little deeper and uh, to try to you know refocus or uh, you know play for somebody or some in this case playing for somebody's life. Um, you know, it, 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 again, uh, it, it's very sad. It's very emotional uh, to lose a loved one. Um, but again, you, you still have to go out and perform. Game four, you guys are up two games to one in the series. It's now at Dodger Stadium. You just alluded to it, Jamie. Matt Stairs moonshot home run off Jonathan Broxton. I mean, he absolutely crushed the ball. Um, how important was that Stairs pickup at the waiver wire deadline that season? Well, I think Matt, you know, coming to our ball club, kind of being the free spirit he was, um, but but having uh, he was a seasoned veteran, you know, having that confidence, not only uh, feeling that from Matt, but also Matt sharing that with with guys on the bench, uh, being able to uh, be you know a, a very uh, beneficial uh, pinch hitter, um, you know, it, it, it you know. I've been on many teams throughout my career that have had, you know, like a, say a Harold Baines um, that, you know, wasn't an everyday player, mostly a DH in the American League, but the opposing manager, the opposing pitching staff knew late in the game, this guy was going to come to the plate. And, and I think that was the case here um, for us with Matt coming to the plate. And, you know, as you alluded, he hit a moonshot and, um, Again, just another uh, great moment in Philly's history, um, a, a great moment in Matt Stairs' career uh, for us to, to be on that same road, that same path to get to the World Series. And then the next night, you guys close it out. Jimmy has the leadoff home run. Uh, Cole Hamels finishes it off against the Dodgers. You guys win the series four games to one. I know you and Cole were close, Jamie. Um, what made him so good? I mean, he was dominant in that postseason. What made him so good that postseason? Yeah, I think Cole's Cole's ability to you know to kind of piece things all together. You know, I think uh, it would be a culmination of his whole life uh, that season. Everything just seemed to fall into place for Cole. He had, uh, you know, his focus was phenomenal. Uh, his execution uh, execution of pitches was very good. And again, that just that builds confidence. And when when you're on the mound and you have that ball in your hand, and you feel like you're confident, um, and and you're making your pitches, and the defense is making plays, and you know you're getting deeper into the games as a starting pitcher, you're saving your bullpen a little bit, um, and you know you're getting your offense into position, you know, getting them onto the bench so they can get to the plate and and swarm, you know, the other the other team's pitching staff. Um, you know, that's exactly what happened. And I, and I, I believe as a team, we really fed off of uh, Cole's success. And, uh, you know, he really did carry us. I mean, we had others who's, you know, Joe Blanton, uh, who pitched well, hit a home run. I mean, you know, as you alluded, Brett Myers, you know, several at-bats during the playoffs that uh, that were key. Uh, you know, would you think any, you know, if if you were a betting person and, you know, those were bets out there, would you have bet on that? Probably not. But, uh, you know, that's why you play the game. You don't know what's going to happen. 
And and that's why you have a roster of, you know, at the time it was 24 players, and that's why you have a roster of 24 players to utilize all 24 players. Uh, game one of the World Series at Tropicana Field, you guys had that long break after beating the Dodgers in five. The Rays had a quick turnaround after taking care of the Red Sox in seven. Game one, talk about tone setters. Chase Sutley first inning hits a home run off Scott Casimir. How much did that calm everybody's nerves down, Jamie? Well, I think getting a lead um, early in, in the World Series is, is big. And again, we're talking, uh, we're doing this in Tampa. Uh, where we're, we're, we're the visitors and um, you know, winning game one or getting a lead, winning game one, I think was huge. Um, it gives us a, a great deal of confidence and, and knowing that, you know, we, after winning game one, you only have to win three, three more games. And I'm saying only that that's a big feat. You know, you, you, you've got six games left. You got to win half of them. You think the odds are in your favor, but you just never know. I mean, you look back, Several years before that, uh, was it the the Yankees and Red Sox were in a playoff, and and uh, what happened? The Yankees came back and and swept the Red Sox. So, I mean, you just you you just never know, and that's why you know you hear a lot of players say, "Well, I take it a pitch at a time, I take it a, a game at a time, I take it an inning at a time," and it, it it's so true because things can 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 move back and forth so quickly. Game three, back at home at Citizens Bank Park. Series is tied at one. First time in your career that you're pitching in a World Series game. Uh, how special was it as a local guy to, to, I mean, so many different things. You threw the first World Series pitch in Citizens Bank Park history. You pitched in the first World Series game in Philadelphia in 15 years. If I recall correctly, you weren't feeling that well leading into that game. Uh, how special was that night for you? Yeah, I, I mean, it was a dream come true to be able to have that opportunity, not, as you said, not only to pitch in a World Series game, to be able, but be able to do it in my hometown was, uh, you know, something I'll never forget. Uh, and again, it was, it was, for me, it was a matter of trying to contain the excitement. And yeah, I was not feeling well, and I was trying to not focus on that at that point, uh, but go out and contribute and and do my part. You know, I. Hadn't pitched well during the playoffs, uh, didn't pitch well in Milwaukee, didn't pitch well in L.A., and uh, I, I was very gracious for that opportunity to uh, to pitch um, you know, game three. Charlie could have easily uh, chosen somebody else, and he didn't. And um, so for me, it was you know, to put those experiences in Milwaukee and, and L.A. behind myself and go out and start a new slate and, uh, you know, get as, as deep as I could into the game, be as effective as I could be, and, um, you know, left the game with with a lead. We ended up giving up the lead and came back and, and, and won that game, which, you know, game three, we win game one, we win game three. Now we've, you know, we've got two more games to win in, in, in five games, so, or excuse me, in four games. So, um, you know, it, and again, we were home. So we had two more games to play at home, and uh, you know I'm going to let you finish it because I'm not going to take rain on your parade. Well, um, I, I'm, one thing I'm wondering in regards to that game three, Jamie, was what was working for you well that night? I know you were really focused on keeping hitters off balance. Why were you so effective against Tampa? Uh, you know, in, in my history with Tampa, and this was mostly in the American League, obviously. 
Uh, I was in Seattle for a long period of time. I had a, a, a lot of success against Tampa, and that those successes came off of uh, you know a younger team that was maybe sometimes a little more aggressive um, and didn't have the uh, the ability to sit back and wait for pitches and things like that, and, and that was kind of the same way that night. And for me, you know, that night was to stay away from a, any kind of a big inning, uh, allowing them to put up a crooked number, uh, three run inning, a four run inning, because uh, you know, as you well know, we've talked. This whole conversation's been about momentum, and um, you know, was able to be able to do that and get into what the sixth inning, seventh inning, and. Um, you know that was important for me um, was to be able to make my contribution um, as a starting pitcher, and uh, and and let the re- the rest of the supporting cast uh, do their jobs. Game four is the Laffer win. Joe Blanton hits the home run, and then game five, the weather was awful. You guys tried to play through that game. It, it was really it got to the point where it was extremely unplayable, uh, and then there's the the delay. The two-day delay suspension. How frustrating was that? Well, it, it's frustrating, but you know, when you think back on that, what, what can anybody do? It wasn't, uh, you know, to, to anybody's fault. It was Mother Nature uh, doing what she does at that time of the year in the Northeast, and you know, we had to deal with it. So, are we were we going to dwell on that, or were we going to you know dwell on all right? What do we have to do to prepare? for our next opportunity is to, you know, be ready to play um, when when the bell rings again, when uh, when we were able to resume play. And, you know, Charlie, the the genius he is, you know, he's trying to figure out who he's going to have to come up and pinch hit. And, uh, you know, he picks Jeff Jenkins, who, again, a, a seasoned veteran, and uh, comes up and gets a big hit for us. And, and it, it you know, once that game resumes and, and Jeff Jenkins gets that hit, it's almost like we didn't stop. And that was that was the cool part about it. We just kind of continued from there, and it went. Well, it gets to that moment later well, Later in the game. Is, it sounds kind of silly because it was a really quick night, but it gets to that moment as the game is going on, and Pat Burl's up. And I don't think at that point Pat had a hit in the World Series. And there's that famous moment that we saw later in, in videos of Jimmy in the tunnel with Pat asking him where number five is at. I, I want to see the number five that I'm used to seeing. What did that show about Jimmy's leadership? And then what did that show about Pat with his ability to respond to that leadership? Yeah, well, again, yeah, I think it, it's just guys supporting each other um, and supporting each other in, in whatever way they felt that, that they needed to either talk to their teammate or, or motivate their teammate or challenge their teammate. And, you know, and that's what leaders do. And that's what Jimmy was doing. And, uh, you know, Pat stepped up to the challenge. And, and again, that's what it takes. You know, it's, you know, uh, it, the game is played and you just don't know what can happen. And, and, you know, as you said, you know, Pat hadn't, you felt like Pat hadn't contributed, but, you know, he, as long as he has a bat in his hand, he can contribute and he did. 
Pedro Feliz drove in. Uh, I believe it was Eric Bruntlett who came in the pinch run, and then you got and then you got Lidge. You got you had Madsen, I think, in the eighth inning, and then Lidge in, in the actually no Madsen started that game or started the resumption. But then you have Lidge come in in the ninth inning, and he's forty seven for forty seven at that point. Finished it off forty eight for forty eight. Just how good was Brad Lidge that year, Jamie? Oh, Brad Lidge was phenomenal. I mean, I'd, I'd seen him for years. Uh, when he was in Houston and had the utmost respect for Brad and his abilities. And, you know, what he brought to Philadelphia was uh, second to none. And, again, he fed off of the confidence that uh, that he built throughout the season. And, you know, Brad was – he had a special, special year that season. And, you know, he had a, you know, a phenomenal slider. I mean, it, you don't see slider if you I mean you go back and watch videos of of that season of Brad Lidge pitching. He had a slider. You know, you look you look at most people's sliders, it it kinda from a righty it goes east to west. And uh, his his slider that year kinda went north to south. It had a lot of depth to it. And uh, you know, he gave lefties fits uh with the ball down and in. And uh, righties fits with the, that slider down and away, and he, you know, he still had enough left on his fastball that people had to respect it. And he threw strikes, and he forced you, you know, if 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 you put the ball in play, he forced you to hit his pitch. And you know, and the other thing too is, you know, I think the, you know the thing that maybe gets lost here. Charlie did, a, I think, a phenomenal job in using our bullpen, utilizing our bullpen. Uh, we had a lot of guys that um, just, you know, did special, special things during the course of that season and in the playoffs. I got J.C. Romero, how many times did he come out, you know, outing after outing after outing, you know, two days, three days in a row, whether it was for a third of an inning or two-thirds of an inning, you know, guys just stepped up, Clay Condry. Uh, I mean, it just that's what it took. And, and, And actually, that's what it takes. And I think if you talk to any any players that played um, on on teams that have gotten deep into the playoffs or won a World Series, that's what you're going to hear from most people. Uh, the, bull, the bullpen was sensational that year. Scott Air was a midseason pickup. Chad Durbin was really good. Jay Happ, who, was, who had started a lot of games, eventually went into the bullpen. That bullpen was excellent in 08. Got two more for you, Jamie. What made Charlie so, so good for that team? Well, again, Charlie was a man of, uh, you know, confidence in his own club, but confidence in, in his ability to, to manage a ball club. Uh, he relied on his coaching staff and, uh, you know, that, you know, that evolved during the course of the season and, you know, decisions were made, not just on a whim. They were, you know, he put thought into them. Uh, he prepared himself, but, it's always great to be able to play for a manager who stays calm, who shows confidence, uh, and knows when and how to talk to his players. And sometimes he doesn't talk to them at all. He just kind of lets them go. And he also lets, you know, the, the veterans on the team kind of manage things as well. He knows, you know, when to let those guys handle things and, and when not to, or when to have a team meeting. And, and you know, Charlie just had a, a knack for that. And I, and I think that comes back to, again, all of his coaching experience, all of his managerial experience throughout the course of his career. So to have a leader um, who had that uh, kind of calmness, but confidence 
um, was very special. And the last thing I'm wondering, Jamie, as a Southerton native local guy, how special was the parade? I know you were at the one in 80. How special was the parade in 08 being the local guy to win that World Series and end that drought? Yeah, the, the, being in a parade, I had no idea what that could feel like. And, and, and just seeing the, uh, the excitement of the fans and, and having that opportunity, as you said, you know, as a, as a high school senior, uh, I went to that parade and, you know, I was a teenager um, just kind of skipping school and going to a fun event, right? You know, and then 20 years later, or what, 28 years later, um, you know, being in that parade and, and being on the flip side of it, and, uh, you know, I, look, I can remember in high school going to that parade and guys wearing those long leather jackets and Pete Rose having the pork chop sideburns and, you know, the haircuts and the clothing styles and all that. And then, you know, 28 years later, it's, you know, totally different, you know, sitting, you know, with my family on a float with my teammates and looking from maybe we'll call it from the inside out and just watching just the pure joy of the fans um, who supported us all season long. I mean, literally, there were people sitting on the curb crying. And, you know, as we went down Broad Street, it was just a sea of people. And, like, I've been up and down Broad Street my whole life, and all I've seen was cars. And on this day, it was people. And, you know, and as we got down to, you know, where the ballpark is, you know, the park was just full of people. And we turned down the side street and it was full of people. We went in to uh, Citizens Bank Park. Then we went over to the Eagles Complex. And, you know, it was crazy over there. We came back to Citizens Bank Park and, and we did our thing at Citizens Bank Park. I mean, just a, just a, what a, a great way to share um, a special time. Uh, in the Philadelphia Phillies history with the fans. It was certainly a, a day that's going to be in a lot of people's memories. Former Phillies left-handed pitcher Jamie Moyer. Jamie, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking a half hour out to talk about that season. Uh, stay safe and stay well. Not a problem. Thank you, and uh, have a great day. That's former Phillies left-hander Jamie Moyer on the 2008 season. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Philly Sports Playback on the KYW Sports Pod. Look forward to talking to you the next time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.